0: I'm Ben Solak, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, and Craig Horbeck. Join us twice a week as we talk everything NFL Draft and break down all the players who will make your team better. Except the Rams, because they don't really have any picks. Check us out on the Ringer NFL Draft Show on
1: Spotify. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote vs. the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans, starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Callista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown, as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, the final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown, for your Emmy consideration in all categories. It is Thursday, April 6th. Have you been following this battle between Disney and the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis? It's pretty wild, billions of dollars at stake. It all stems from Disney's opposition to this so-called don't-say-gay bill, restricting discussion of sexual orientation in classrooms. If you haven't followed it, DeSantis wanted to punish Disney, and of course get himself on Fox News to plug his likely run for president. So he first tried to eliminate an improvement district that Disney has relied on for 50 years. It's this quasi-governmental entity they established to control and develop and manage the land that Walt Disney World sits on. That would have shifted the tax burden to his constituents. So DeSantis then got the state legislature to eliminate Reedy Creek, which Disney controlled, and replace it with something called Central Florida Tourism Oversight District and a new board filled with his cronies and political backers. But right before the Disney board ceded control, they stripped the new board of pretty much all its powers except to maintain the roads and basic infrastructure until what it said was at least 21 years after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III, King of England. Uh, We'll get to that language and why they use that specific wording. They did so in a public hearing, not in some secret backroom. Still, DeSantis was understandably furious and he called for an investigation to see if any laws were broken. Then on Tuesday, at the Disney annual shareholder meeting, Iger fired back. He said DeSantis was trying to, quote, punish a company for its exercise of a constitutional right, end quote. He said it's, quote, not just anti-business, but it sounds anti-Florida, end quote. So that's where we are. Why does this matter? Well, besides being the largest employer in Florida... Disney plans to invest $17 billion in the state in the next decade. Waging war with a powerful politician, especially one who is clearly running for president, carries pretty big risks for the world's largest entertainment company, one that pretty meticulously tries to remain neutral on politics to not offend its customers. So today, to discuss, I asked Tara Palmieri of Puck to come on the show. She covers politics. She writes a newsletter with some colleagues called The Best and the Brightest. She's been writing about DeSantis. She's got insights into how this might all play out, the business and political ramifications, and who ultimately wins between Disney and the governor of Florida. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Tara Palmieri. She is a senior political correspondent at Puck, where I work, and she has covered the Ron DeSantis presidential quasi campaign very closely. Welcome, Tara.
0: Thanks for having me, Matt.
1: So I wanted to bring you on because this Disney versus DeSantis thing has been ratcheted up this week. Uh, We thought it was gone. We thought Disney pulled a fast one on DeSantis, but he is not going to let this go. He called for the investigation this week. And then Bob Iger responded. And this is now a full-on war. And I, from my perspective... It seems like Iger is winning this war. He didn't start it. Chapek, Bob Chapek started this by getting involved in the whole don't say gay controversy. And we've covered that in the past on this show. But Iger inherited it. And it seems like he is kind of playing DeSantis. What is the view from the political world on this subject?
0: You're right. Chapek started it, and Iger seems to be finishing it, and he's being much more aggressive than Chapek was, in my opinion, and in the p- opinion of a lot of political insiders um, in Florida and around DeSantis. And some are interpreting it as a sign of DeSantis's weakness and the fact that he's politically starting to slip um, in the polls. You know, his wobbling on Ukraine, he's tangled in a bunch of other investigations because of his haphazard way of handling these kind of stunty political operations like the migrants that he shipped to Martha's Vineyard. Now the Treasury Department is investigating whether he misused COVID funds. They filed The migrants filed a class action lawsuit against him. So he's really good at like getting the press with his political stunts, but not the follow through. And I think that's what you saw with Disney. And I just think in this case, you know, Chapik didn't really take DeSantis head on, but you're seeing it from Iger, calling it anti-business, anti florida He's clearly not as afraid of DeSantis and his political power, and I've got to think he's just sort of sensing that there's blood in the water around DeSantis as his poll numbers drop and that he may not be the future president.
1: Well, Iger also brings to the table a lot of built-up credibility and cachet on these issues. He has the gravitas; people know who he who he is, and I feel like he sees the end game here. He sees what he can get out of this, and he's hitting where it hurts. I mean, saying outright, Disney is the largest employer in Florida, 75,000 employees. They plan to invest $17 billion in the Florida parks. And he's not, if you looked at Iger's statements, he's not trashing Florida at all. He's saying, we love Florida. We want to do more business in Florida. We want to hire 13,000 new jobs, new people to work at the Disney resorts in the next decade. And it really is putting DeSantis on the defensive there because he's having to at least have his constituents see these numbers and maybe question like, "What? wait, what are we doing here? Why are we going to war with this company that brings so much business to our state and millions of visitors every year. Like what are we doing again?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know that it's a, you know, red meat political topic that DeSantis can talk about in a primary election, right? It plays really well in a GOP primary.
1: Yeah, woke corporation, we are anti This is where woke goes to die in Florida.
0: Totally. It works. But like he's taking it even a step further. Just yesterday, the legislature passed a six-week abortion ban, and he's expected to sign it. They also just passed a permitless concealed carry. I mean, Florida is one of the few states in America where you don't need a permit to conceal carry a gun. And these are all sort of red meat issues that Ron DeSantis is embracing I think he signed that one yesterday and he's expected to sign the six week six week abortion ban because he's all he's doing is playing into this GOP base the Trump voter that he needs to win and be the nominee and go into a general election where all of these positions are largely unpopular with women in the suburbs that decide elections like The mothers in Lansing, Michigan do not like these gun laws changing or the six-week abortion ban. And he just seems to be so focused on the primary and even this war with Disney. And it might come back to bite him. If he remains governor of Florida, he could end up leaving like a lot of governors who run for president and forget their jobs, what their job is all about. They end up leaving with low approval numbers. And, you know, this is his
1: second term. Yeah, you know who else doesn't love all of those radical positions are the moms that walk around Disney World. And it's an interesting kind of show of force here from Disney and what they're doing because you can te- you could just feel it in the the way they're reacting. You know, Disney didn't have to say that they're going to host this World's largest gay convention. It's the largest LGBTQ conference in the world that they just announced they are going to host at the Disney Resort. Um, That's going to happen in the next couple months. They put this language into the Reedy Creek documents. Um, The language that they're using is that the new basic infrastructure will last until 21 years, quote, after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III, King of England, which is a, this, there's a lot of misreporting around this. This is a, a perpetual law school exam question. It's the rule against perpetuities. You are not allowed to have a property contract that gives you land forever. So the rule is basically, it varies a little, but it says that you can only influence the land for the life of a living person, plus 21 years. So in the olden days, the royal family lived the longest because they had the best health care. So people used to pick the king because that was likely to give you the longest tenure. Disney is using that retro language sort of as a, I think, tongue-in-cheek, yeah, they want the longest possible tenure. But it's a very formalistic and kind of by-the-book way of doing this, almost to say, you know what? This is all kosher. Come at us. If you want to challenge this, come at us. And we are confident in our position.
0: It's interesting. uh, Ron DeSantis announced that his inspector general, someone that he appointed, is going to investigate what happened with the uh, Reedy Creek board, you know, basically defanging or taking the power away from his appointed board, I can't I can't remember the name. It's like the Florida
1: Central Florida Tourism Oversight District,
0: yeah. So <laughs> you know, he has his inspector general investigating this. It's unclear if there's any actual recourse for what happens. Um I don't know that Disney will have to pay a fine or a penalty or they'll have to change the law. Um, obviously, it's his inspector general, so we can already expect
1: the outcome before it even happens. He says there's criminal perhaps criminal charges. You know, they want to look at where the money is going here. Who stands to benefit? I mean, there's very sinister language in that letter that he wrote, and it basically is is saying to his people, find something that they did wrong here.
0: Exactly. So he's at war. But you know, a lot of political insiders just think that Ron DeSantis got snookered for the same reason. That I mentioned earlier, where they're really good at these political stunts, but they're not really good at the follow-through after the execution, like the migrants that they shipped. In this case, I just did an interview with Peter Shorsch, who's a consultant and media guy down here in Florida. He's been following DeSantis really closely. And he said, you know, why wasn't an intern just checking to see what filings came down in Greedy Creek so that they would know in advance that this had happened? Because he was completely flat footed.
1: There was a Disney podcaster this guy that runs the Disney Dish podcast that is apparently a thing. I had never heard it until this controversy. He went to the hearing. Somebody clearly tipped this guy off, went to the hearing, and he talked about it on his podcast.
0: There was a public filing. They missed it, probably because he was doing a book tour at the time (laughs) and thinking about running for president and trying to go to New Hampshire and Iowa. Like, that's what was going on.
1: Yeah, so if you're the DeSantis base and you're loving him going after Disney... You've also got to be a little pissed that they dropped the ball.
0: Oh, of course, of course. But this is this opportunity to double down. But, you know, Trump was never really good at execution either. And they still love him. So maybe Ron DeSantis gets that this is all politically. It, win, it, it will likely work for him politically, even if it the execution is completely botched. A lot of Trump's executive orders were fought. You know, every time he tried to close the border, separation of families, it was all about messaging and never execution. And that works for the Republican base because they don't really care about efficacy. There are more... They just like the disruption. They don't care if it's ineffectual. And I think Trump realized that and DeSantis clearly realizes that. And that's why he keeps picking these fights, even if he's ineffective. I do wonder if it will end up hurting him in Florida. I mean, if the Floridian economy, which is like one of his one accomplishments that he's able to talk about, the, the fact that it's booming, if it actually starts to recede, um, because, you know, if Disney decides to pull pull back jobs. I think there's about 13,000 jobs that are supposed to go to Florida. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're higher-level positions. They're people who work in sort of the engineering and the tech. And these are probably people coming from Burbank. You think they want to move to Florida?
1: Well, they don't. And <laughs> one of the big initiatives to consolidate the Imagineering group in Florida, that was one of Bob Chapek's things that he wanted to do, that's on hold. And one of the reasons was people didn't want to move to Florida.
0: Exactly. And Disney doesn't want
1: them either. <laughs> it's true. He
0: doesn't because he's like, oh, they're all going to vote for Democrats.
1: You know, the there is downside for Disney here. Um, I don't want to say that Iger is is kicking everyone's ass because Disney has been a non political brand for a long time, and it's something that is for everybody, including hardcore conservatives. And every time first Chapek and now Iger, gets into the headlines and appears on Fox News for a battle with Ron DeSantis on a culture war issue, that potentially is another conservative Disney person that says woke is broke. You know, we don't want to support this woke corporation. And perhaps that turns into Disney becoming a politicized brand and something that it does enter the culture wars in a way that, that that does not benefit them financially. We see this on the content side as well. Uh, even It even came up at the shareholder meeting this week where someone asked Iger that they don't want to see gay and lesbian content in the Disney movies. And he said, he balanced a, a tightrope here. He said, we respect that and we know that Different parents had different comfort levels with this kind of content. However, Disney is a brand for everyone, and we try to be as inclusive as possible for everyone. And I just wonder if they continue to wage these wars if the politicization starts to hurt Disney financially. I'm almost certain it will, right? I, I think so, too, if they go down this road and it doesn't stop. Like this is not a fight that Disney wants to be having. Iger might be playing it aggressively, but the people I talked to at Disney, they're like, no, of course we don't want to be in this war with Disney. And it all goes back to the way Chapek handled it initially, where he sort of got shamed by his own employees into overcorrecting and taking a position on this bill that DeSantis then responded to. But You know, if they if if we're if it's twenty twenty-four and Disney's wokeism is a key campaign issue, then Disney is inserted into the presidential election in a way that probably would hurt the brand.
0: Right. And it would mean they could be losing as many as like 30% Thirty percent of their existing customer base,
1: <laughs> if they all acted. I mean, the 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 power of that Disney brand and the characters is pretty strong. And I yeah, think
0: kids sure. are always going to say, yeah, kids are going to want to watch their Disney movies. They're going to beg to go to Disney World.
1: Yeah, and honestly, like there are, I think most conservatives perceive Hollywood in general to be a bastion of liberal Democrats. And they show up for the right movie anyways. Um, They may not like or tune into award shows like they once did, uh, but they still will support the movies if it appeals to them. And I feel like Disney feels at least that they can go to war with DeSantis on this issue and still maintain that customer base. But it's a really dicey situation. They might be
0: in luck. I mean, DeSantis may not end up running.
1: Maybe not. I know. Do you think, uh, this is a little off topic, but do you think he's going to this point?
0: I do. I do think he'll run, but I do think there's a bit of hesitation right now and even donors are starting to second guess him. And obviously the GOP is circling around Trump uh, with his indictment. And I think it's hard. I think like the number, his, his poll numbers dropping, questions just about his viability. Is he the real deal? Or is he Scott Walker and, you know, 2.0? So it's it's just... And a lot of people say to him, you know, Trump can't run for two terms. So if you just wait, 2028 is all yours. Although, as we know in politics, timing is everything. And he's he's on the rise. He's a star. But his star is definitely fading. Again, he hasn't announced yet. But they don't seem to have a real strategy on how to hit back at Trump. Because all the hits against him... They're they're actually working like he is dropping in the polls because people who didn't know that he was an enemy of Trump now know that. And he's starting to starting to waver. Also, he's just not that real. He's just not that good on TV. I mean, his interview with Piers Morgan was pretty weak. He doesn't have a lot of experience
1: with the national press. Meatball Ron. Excellent nickname.
0: I found that offensive as an Italian American. I thought
1: you would as well. <laughs> as an Italian American, I find it hilarious. <laughs> I uh yeah. That Trump still got it. He's still got the the nickname thing. Much better than De Sanctimonious. Are you kidding me? Like I I I don't even I can't even say that. Um, you know, Iger, Iger really thought about running for president. Um, he was Goaded on by, I think, some of his yes men and handlers into thinking that he had a real shot and he might be uh, palatable to Democratic voters nationwide. I don't think that would have ever gone anywhere. I think that, you know, as much experience as he has as the CEO of Disney, politics is a rough sport and he's very press sensitive. He doesn't like when he's written about in a way that he doesn't like. And the first time they came after him or his family or some of the things that Disney has done in China, like, it would have, it would have really gotten to him.
0: Yeah, don't bother. <laughs> you know, it's, you've got to be able to handle the press, although not that any of them really handle it that well.
1: This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown, as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, the final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. So how does this end? How does this end with DeSantis and Disney? Do they both get what they want out of this and then drop it? Does this lead? Does this drag on for years?
0: I mean, I think that DeSantis is going to milk it for all it's worth. I think being aggressive back at Disney is something he can use on the campaign trail. And it's a part of his story. Um, so I don't see it going away. I mean, yes, he seems flat-footed, but how many people are really following the board element of it? you know, like base GOP voters. I don't know. They might just like hearing DeSantis attacking Disney, not really understanding that the board that he instituted has no power because he got snookered. It's a bit more nuanced. It's a business story. I don't know that it necessarily is a political story, but the story of how DeSantis is taking on Disney, my IG is investigating them for crimes and nobody cares. Once you're talking about the nuance and the details, I think you've already
1: lost yeah, but it could it could proceed on one level politically and then on another level business-wise. And Disney will be focused, on I think, on that second part just to make sure that they maintain their financial interests in the state. Oh, absolutely. Uh, which, which will outlast DeSantis for sure.
0: Exactly. And I think if DeSantis ends up not running for president or he has a very short campaign, then he's going to be stuck with the Disney problem that he's got to clean up.
1: Yeah. Or he could be president. And all of a sudden, you know, it's illegal to go to Disney World. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Executive order number one. No Mickey Mouse.
0: Here's the thing, though. If he did run in 2028, if he stood down and he, he deci- if he decides to stand down and he runs in 2028 instead of 2024, this Disney problem is a bigger issue, I think, because we'll you'll actually see the fruit of it and the economic impact on Florida and the story will have evolved and it will be the full story by 2028. And it might not be the story that D- Sandis wants to tell.
1: No, he took on Disney, sacrificed a bunch of jobs and lost. That could be the story.
0: Exactly. And by then he won't be in the governor's mansion anymore. He won't have the press, the bully pulpit. He'll be two years out of office trying to run in 2028. There'll be some new red meat warrior star and, He'll have a story about how he tried to take on Disney, but it didn't really work out for him.
1: Or maybe Meatball Ron coming to theaters twenty twenty six, Disney, an, an all new Disney production. He's a, he'll be like a, a, a sort of somewhat adorable dog, or maybe the villain.
0: You're right. He could be the villain, like the meatball that rolls over the, the families. And <laughs> I don't, That sounds a little too dark.
1: Um, <laughs> no, he's he's like the dog that hoards all the meatballs from the other dogs, and uh, you know the the good dog has to come and save the day if, against Meatball Ron.
0: Here's the thing, Matt. I don't have kids, so I don't watch Disney movies. You clearly do. So you know what an acceptable plot line is.
1: <laughs> it is. That would be like a B- minus level Disney movie. Maybe like a, a a sequel to Lady and the Tramp with Meatball Ron as the, uh, <laughs> the hoarder of all the spaghetti that the dogs have to go after. All right. Enough <laughs> with the bad DeSantis metaphors. Thank you, Tara, for coming on. Thanks, Matt. All right. We're back with the call sheet. Craig, you and I went to the air premiere last week. It's now opening this week. Um, I felt, did you feel a little bad for Ben and JLo? lo Like when they were coming out of the premiere, this was like in their movie premiere, in Ben's premiere. He was walking out of the theater like, still within the theater there in Westwood. Yeah, like to the concession area. Yeah, people were like shoving phones in his face, like trying to, like, JLo, selfie, Ben, look over here. Like, this was not some paparazzi thing out. These were like people that were invited to the premiere. And I know they invite fans to these things in addition to industry people try to like, you know, juice up the audience to laugh and cheer and stuff. But these people were so rude to them. Yeah, there was a crowd of people waiting outside of the double doors, like right as you were leaving the theater. I don't know how I got there. I even asked you because we were pretty close to them. I was like, who are these people? This is a high security I know. area. I'm going to be in some of those photos, I think, just because I was like standing <laughs> next to them. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I was like, oh, it's Jennifer Lopez standing right behind me. Um, I just felt bad. Finally, they got into the actual premiere party where those people were not. And they were able to like sit. And, you know, Ben was talking to Kevin Smith and they were like doing the normal thing, receiving well-wishers. But I just, I felt bad for them. Like just, it just must, they are so famous. And it's like, when you combine two famous people like that, it just ratchets up to like 10. I mean, Ben's talked about it. He talked about this with Simmons. It's just, they are so, they just cannot have a moment to themselves. No, I know. It was, it was actually nice to see them get moments at the after party where they were just on a couch alone. Totally. Um, all right. So let's talk about the movie. The tracking is about 20 million for this movie. Um, you know, I really liked it. You told me you liked it too. It's mm-hmm. it, it's a crowd pleaser type movie. I'm just not sure that this movie is going to draw people into theaters. It opened last night. So we're we're going to get some numbers today. I just don't think it's gonna get all the way to 20 million for the five day. 20 million for five days is not not a lot. I mean, I, I was, I thought- well, I don't know, I mean, back five years ago even, this kind of a movie with two big movie stars, great cast, crowd pleaser, amazing reviews, you know, 3,500 theaters, this kind of a movie would open to 20 million, probably open to 20 million for a three day. Now they've got the holiday period, But it's just a different world now. I had friends texting me, oh, that movie looks really good. I can't wait till it gets on streaming. It doesn't have the same kind of visual appeal and the same stakes that other movies that kind of demand you go to the theater have now, like Marvel movies, huge action franchises, stuff like that. So, yeah, I get it. You could probably wait uh, a month or two to see this on on Amazon. Yeah, different era. I I feel bad for Ben. So I'm going to take the under- on the 20 million tracking for air. I do think it'll play. I think there's not a lot out there in, you know, April, even into May for adults. So this kind of movie could play in theaters and for a while. And Amazon also, they decided kind of late in the game to put this movie in theaters. It was going to go straight to streaming. So they've had to kind of rush the campaign. They changed the tagline. If you looked in the early marketing, it was air courting a legend, which... Reference Michael Jordan. Clearly that didn't really work or they decided to change it because now if you look at the commercials, it's air, a story of greatness, which I think they probably think is a little bit more aspirational and it's going to get people to show up for the aspirational nature of the movie. Um, but that's what happens when you decide last minute to do a theatrical run. They're spending a lot of money on this. They're doing a full campaign. Uh, I wish it would do better. I hope it does better, but I'm taking the under. Yeah, the movie is genuinely good. And I I think it'll have great word of mouth. I think everybody who sees it will recommend it to a friend. I think dads will love this movie, but there's also Super Mario Brothers, which is going to take up a lot of dad's weekends when they bring their kids to see that. Big dad energy in this movie. Big dad dad energy, yeah. (laughs) Some awesome pit vipers on Ben Affleck in this movie. Yeah, there's a purple Porsche... There's lots of great, you know, 80s outfits and songs. Uh, lots lots for dads. All right, that's it for the show today. I want to thank my guest, Tara Mary. I want to thank producer Kirk Holbeck. And I want to thank you. We will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm.